Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Tadeha parata poso Pra Pyakrishas chada sambavat Baba malera vachana Sadhuma eva pavaka Tadeha parata poso Pyakrishaschada sambhavat Baba malera vachana Sadhumaiva pavaka Anyone would like to repeat my manija? Tadeha parata posho Chakrishas chada sambhavat Baba malera vachana Sadhumaiva pavaka Tadeha parata posho Chakrishas chada sambhavat her body parata by others the damsels created by kardama posha maintained a bee although a krishaha not thin, cha, and, adhi, anxiety, asambhavat, from not occurring, babao, shown, malai, by dust, avachanaha, covered, sadhumaha, surrounded with smoke, eva, like pavakaha of fire translation her body was being taken care of by the spiritual damsels created by her husband kardama and since she had no mental anxiety at that time her body did not become thin she appeared just like a fire surrounded by smoke purport 
Because she was always in trance, in transcendental bliss, the thought of the personality of Godhead was always carefully fixed in her mind. She did not become thin, for she was taken care of by the celestial maidservants created by her husband. It is said, according to the Ayurvedic medical science, that if one is free from anxieties, he generally becomes fat. Devahuti, being situated in Krishna consciousness, had no mental anxieties, and therefore her body did not become thin. It is customary in the renounced order of life that one should not take any service from a servant or maid, but Devahuti was being served by the celestial maidservants. This may appear to be against the spiritual concept of life, but just as fire is still beautiful, even when surrounded by smoke, she looked completely pure, although it seemed that she was living in a luxurious way. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Krishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Nomine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavari Pastyata Deshatarine Vancha Kalpaturyubhyascha Kripasindhubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha So with your blessings we'll just speak and discuss a bit about Devahuti. So Devahuti here, she is in transcendental bliss after her husband left, uh, Kardamamuni. She had her son, who is the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself. Her son spoke to her uh, the divine science of devotional service, and then he left. And because he had, she had heard that from him, she was able to go into this high spiritual state, transcendence, her mind carefully fixed on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And even though it's described that externally it appears that maybe her situation being served by maidservants wasn't spiritual. Prabhupada's explaining here, and in the verse itself, is that she was actually on the highest platform of spiritual life. And so I find that to be probably the most significant aspect that's being discussed acknowledged in this verse and purport and I thought we could maybe discuss this and now and you'll see actually in the next verse whoever's speaking tomorrow that that the verse continues on this um, how she appeared that she wasn't fully really conscious of her body um, which is also a continuation from the verse previous where it's discussed and Balgopalpuru is talking about the forgetfulness of the body and how 
one when one is fully absorbed in this state fixed on the personality of Godhead that one naturally just forgets one's physical and emotional mental body that it becomes so aligned with transcendence and divinity that it no longer applies to the three modes of material nature or the material existence. And so in that sense, she forgot. So when we, when we remember one thing, we forget another, naturally. When we choose one thing, then we're saying no to another. We're making that decision. So it's being described that her, her state of remembrance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead has allowed her to forget all else. And our external situation, we can't necessarily judge a situation by the, we, we can't judge a book by the cover necessarily. We can see symptoms of spiritual life which are described uh, in the Bhagavad Gita. What does a sadhu look like? Arjuna is asking, what does he look like? Does he look like this? Does he talk like this? Does he move like this? And Krishna explains. And, and so here it's being stated that even though, even though um, it looked like, oh, she's just living in luxury, she has a palace. She's living in, a, in like a basically a, a palace that floats in the sky that Karma Muni created for her. And she is a, basically she's a yogi princess, a yogi queen. You know, she is accustomed to austerities, and yet Karma Muni created a facility for her that was, as Sarvampu was explaining, he created a facility for her that was very luxurious. Um, and he didn't even, <laughs> he just manifested it with his own contagious, his own Brahminical power, his own yogic power. And so she had a palace, she had silks, fine silks, everything that she had was the highest quality in the material, uh, from the material calculation, she had the highest quality of everything. And, and not only that, she had the highest spiritual. She had, she had a very elevated husband and she had, she had God for her son. And even then, it's interesting to note that even then, she experienced the emotions of being a human or being in the material existence and having relationships with husband relationship with son that she still had that experience of uh, sadness and pain when her husband left and sadness and pain when her son left but because you know even she had this very perfect situation that she still experienced quote-unquote uncomfortable emotions and but this was her specific journey and she had this transcendental knowledge and so I was thinking you know we forget our body once we come to this transcendental position where all all our mind and senses and intelligence is absorbed in this supreme personality and Godhead and and uh, his pastimes then 
it doesn't matter actually what our our material position or conditioning is really it doesn't matter but even in her situation her situation which one could consider to be perfect in so many ways she still experienced different things um, and so here she is she has maidservants surrounding her it's even described that she had no mental anxiety at that time she felt peaceful that there was a point in time when she was feeling this disturbance that mom my husband left oh now my son left and then she but then she actively absorbed herself so if you look back we can look back at the verses uh, she did so it describes it she did so with serious engagement and devotional service and because she was strong in renunciation, she accepted only the necessities of the body. That's text 24 and 25. So it's not that, like, it was, you know, easy street, and she was like, oh, yeah, you know, God's my son. And it was like, okay, now I've been given this knowledge, and now I'm going to absorb myself. And, but, and she was accustomed, she was strong in renunciation, she knew how to do that, she had that experience in her past, that she actively engaged herself in devotional service, and just by doing that, she came to this level. And so, you know, sometimes I, I like, just reading this, I'm thinking, okay, you know, part of my cynical side is like, yeah, does anyone actually forget their material body? Like, how, am I ever going to experience that? Like, how am I going to give a Bhagavatam class on this? And I was thinking, well, there were, I, I think there are moments, there have been moments like John Mastami fasting, John Mastami day fasting and preparing so many things for the festival, working with different devotees, getting the deity out, the, the Abhishek ready, making sure this is set and this is set, all, all for the arrangement for for people to engage in Krishna consciousness. And there were moments I remember I was just for, I forgot who you know who I was or or even you know I just forgot who I was or what was you know <laughs> oh I have children and I have a, and I have a, I'm the, I'm Prince Sundari and I no I just was thinking okay next thing that needs to happen is this and next thing that needs to happen is this and just the and just the spiritual energy that comes from a holy day. You know, John Mastami, Krishna's appearance day, plus doing the austerity of fasting, and then really absorbing and creating a festival for people to absorb in Krishna consciousness. And I remember I, I would become so absorbed that I would forget uh, other things. And uh, yeah, there are moments, and I'm sure that probably all of you have experienced moments in kirtan, just like just tasting the holy name and not and not remembering not even thinking about who you are anymore or that or that grudge that you have with that person or this you know political issue that's really bothering you or you know that we can and I'm not saying it's not saying that we should just ignore everything and be in this state but saying that we have had glimpses of forgetting our material body, of forgetting all the things that come with the material body, which includes the subtle emotional, but the mental emotional body, mental emotional body, which holds different, different, 
you know, memories of the past, of this lifetime, memories of the past lifetimes that we carry with us that we can actually have moments where we're only thinking of Krishna. I'm sure we've all had moments of that. And so Devahuti here, basically she's obtained that stage constantly. And that's ultimately what's meant to happen is that in our practice we'll have we'll have moments where, wow, like wow, I'm actually I'm actually genuinely feeling connected to Krishna today. I actually feel like Krishna's my friend. And we'll have other moments where, you know, all we can think about is like our toe that has a paper cut or, you know, that we stubbed and this frustration with that person or, you know, like I have to do, get this done or whatever. But the point is, is that as we practice devotional service, we come, we gradually, more and more and more, we become those, the, the knot of the modes. One string comes loose, like, just like if you've ever got, gotten your, a necklace, a thin chain necklace all tangled. It's like the modes, they just, you can slowly, they slowly, one comes, untangle another, untangle another. It gradually will have more and more moments. So the, the, the ratio of moments that we think about Krishna and we're absorbed become increasingly prominent. So it's not, it's not, I mean, just to defeat my own cynical mind. It's not impossible. Sure, yeah, Devahuti, like, this is another yuga, and, like, who, you know, who has, like, a palace that's floating in the air and tons of maidservants, you don't even have to do your own laundry. Like, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, maybe I could chant 16 rounds if I had somebody doing that for me, too. No, this, everyone has a perfect situation, and that situation is perfectly designed just for each one of our evolution, our conscious, the evolution of our consciousness to come to the point where we can increasingly think more and more and more and a natural, just like a magnet goes, just like a metal goes through the magnet or a magnet goes through the metal, it will naturally just be thinking of transcendence. And so it's like, I was thinking like, well, <clears throat> when our goal becomes clearer and clearer and clearer, and more defined and determined. If, I, if the goal of my life is to develop my relationship with Krishna so much so that I will, like, if I go back to Godhead, if that's my life goal, then all the, all the small, all the other things I can see, are they aligning with that goal? And they don't, they don't overwhelm me as much. I was thinking, I was talking with Tushta about this last night, like, all right, Tushta, give me some good material to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> I was joking with him. And then um, and he was like, well, you can quote this verse and there's that verse. And then we were talking about King Pratapurudra. And I, I was looking up about him. I found there's a nice picture, a painting, apparently, of him. And he has long hair and he's sort of lounging on these very big cushions. It's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita that he had a water pipe, like a hookah. He had like fine oil, his hair was, hair, hair was nicely groomed. Um, and he was lounging and surrounded by beautiful women. 
when uh, when um, who went to go see him? Went to go. Swoop Damodar went to go see him, and you can chime in here. It's not just the monologue. And he was thinking, wait, I just came here. I was told to come here. I came here to see someone who was spiritually elevated, and he does not look spiritually elevated. Oh, but but then he started speaking about Krishna, and it was almost embarrassing. Like something, he just started like like crying and convulsing, and it was like, what's going on? Here's someone who is so he's actually and he's is Shmati Radharani's father, King Rishabhanu, it's his identity, spiritual identity. So here he is in this this position of a king. His material dharma of a king. So, who knows really where someone is at? We can't necessarily see that our material dharma is ne necessarily going to be ever be an obstacle for our spiritual advancement. It, it really ne it never is. You know, sometimes we might think, well, my nature is like I don't. My nature is like this, and it's just an obstacle for spiritual advancement, but really, it's not true. We can be in any material situation. We can always think of Krishna. We can always be absorbed. And there's always some way to practice devotional service, whether, whether if, if it's even only in our mind, it's powerful. So understanding our nature, our material nature, our dharma, material dharma, then we can see that it doesn't, it's never an obstacle. And Krishna, Krishna says, work according to it. Live your life according to your material dharma. It's not an obstacle. And actually what's an obstacle is if you work according to your nature. That becomes more of an obstacle because then what's happening is you're putting more energy. It takes more energy to act other than your nature. So you're wasting a lot of energy. It's not very efficient. If you're, if you're acting according to your nature, it's the most efficient way to just live and then you can use the rest the the other that your energy use your energy efficiently so that you can stay absorbed in Krishna consciousness while still acting according to your material dharma so it doesn't help to change our material dharma or try to act differently thinking that it's going to help us in our spiritual life sometimes for some of us who maybe are or just on the first part of our adulthood, the first stages of our adulthood, we may not even know what our nature is. And so it takes some time to really understand. I know for myself, I was just thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that, maybe I'll do this. Oh my God, like so much mental energy trying to figure it all out. So how helpful it is to have resources, teachers, mentors that can help direct us understand our material nature so we can just get ourselves uh, situated in a stable way so that we can continue to keep the big goal uh, in mind even when the when the, the little day-to-day -day goals are happening someone just someone was just asking me talking to me the other day saying you know I actually really want to have uh, a good income so that I can be stable 
financially. I don't want to have to think too much about this. Um, later on, I'd like to, and I'm also thinking of children. And then the Shastra is saying, oh, be careful of money, be careful. We want, we want family, we want um, money, we want... And so how do we understand this? And the first thing I came to mind was we have to keep the big goal in mind. Or else those small goals can become the big goal. And that's really what the Shastra is saying, is that we just keep the big goal in mind and don't make the small goals the big goals. Keep them, keep them aligned with the big goal so that their ultimate purpose is to align with that, to serve Krishna, to, to attain our highest destination, and keep the, keep the goals there. Achieve those goals, accomplish those goals. It may take time, it may take a couple of years to get stable, but always keep the big goal in mind. So um, I'll stop here and ask for some contribution from our live audience and maybe our Facebook audience. This whole section, oh my god, Karta Mamuni, so, um, I mean, Kapila Dave, he's saying, he's explaining so much to her. I'm just looking at all the title headings. I mean, look at all this, look at all this. He's just explaining. Karta Mamuni leaves, and then, um, Look at all this is all the instructions. He talked to her for a long time. They had a pretty long conversation about this. The glories of devotional service. And here's, that's one title heading. Fundamental principles of material nature. So he really reviewed a lot with her. Basically, he told her what's the, what's, he reminded her what the goal of human life is, which is to attain the highest destination. So he's explaining all about material nature, understanding material nature. Next chapter is another one about material nature. Then Kapila's instruction on devotional service, and then he goes into devotional service. And that is this whole explanation describing fruit of activities, movements of living entities. Remember we learned about the living entity in the womb, and then how living entities like all squished in the womb and then comes out and forgets who she is and then starts thinking that she's the body and these are her parents and entanglement of fruit of activities and then so he, he really gives her like the full the full
full purport and explanation, not just of devotional service, but of the nature of the material realm. Just like, just like Krishna gave Arjuna the full, full explanation. Here's, here's, material, here's who you are. Here's material nature. Here are the modes. Here's how they move. Um, here's me. Here's manifestations of me. And then, uh, and then come to me. Here's the goal of life. And then we see in Bhagavad Gita, as it is, with Sri Prabhupada's purports, every, every purport, the, the, high, the purpose of self-realization, the purpose of human life is self-realization. purpose of self, human life is self-realization. So yeah, um, Devahuti, she's, uh, Krishna's personally arranged to be her son, so he could personally instruct her directly on devotional service so she can he not only is he fulfilling her desires and I, honestly I'm not remembering the full story because there's a lot behind it too Devahuti was praying to have in a for, former life was praying to have the supreme person of God had as her son so she had that desire she was born of uh, who was her father? Sarva. Sarva do you remember her father's name? And then, and then, interestingly, then Kardama Muni was not thinking of getting married, and then at one point was thinking he had a desire in his heart. And then, before he, Krishna already knew his desire, and Krishna had previously made arrangements. So, even when Kardama Muni was expressing, "Oh, you know, I have this desire," Krishna's like, "Don't worry, it's all taken care of." already made arrangements. That she, she, it was all arranged for her desires to be fulfilled, his desires to be fulfilled, and then, and then personally he's instructing her how to attain the highest, real, highest destination. So e- even though she had, pra- she, because she had Svayambhuvamanu as her father, she was accustomed to a yogic lifestyle, she was also, she also had the, the uh, energy of a queen. So she, Karamuni took care of her like a queen, like his uh, worshipable queen. So he took care of her. So even though she was accustomed to renunciation, she also had these luxuries. So yeah, her, her life was, I don't know, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Are there other parts of the, her um, story that I left out? transition into samadhi. It wasn't just all of a sudden. Um, does anyone else want to answer that? Mm-mm. So, Kardama Muni, or Kapila Muni, uh, is instructing her. And so here we see in text 11, he's saying, uh, this is the last thing he says to her. 
um, in the Bhagavatam is uh, those who are actually transcendentalists certainly follow my instructions as I have given them to you. So he's saying that if you follow my instructions, you'll become an actual transcendentalist. So um, you know, he's saying if you do what I if you do what I just described, then you can be you can transcend. And he said, just rest assured that if you trans tra traverse this path of self-realization perfectly, surely you shall be freed from fearful material contamination and ultimately reach me. Mother, persons who are not conversant with this method of devotional service certainly cannot get out of the cycle of birth and death. So he's describing that to her. Then uh, he took permission to leave home. And so this section was part where her transition is describes that she practiced bhakti yoga in, in that ashram where she was in that in the house of Karvamuni which and then it describes how opulent it was beautiful flowers she bathed three times daily um, and interestingly it says due to austerity her body gradually became thin Although this verse we just read said that she wasn't emaciated. And uh, it describes her household, the opulence of it, the compound, um, and how uh, she used to get, she used to have constant protection by her husband. And she felt separation from her son. And says, Devahuti, in spite of all her possessions, which were envied by the ladies of the heavenly planets, gave up all such comforts. She was only sorry that her great son was separated from her. She gave up all her opulences. She felt sorry about their departure. She was very aggrieved at the loss of her son, just as the cow is affected when her calf dies. And then, Always meditating upon her son, she very soon became unattached to her nicely decorated home. She was meditating on her own son, which was the Supreme Personality of Godhead. She became detached. And, and then we get to this point. So that's the transition. Serious engagement. So it was like as she, as she was absorbing herself in the practice in the ashram, she gradually became detached from the comforts. She meditated on the Supreme Personality of Godhead as her son, and she attained this point. I'm not sure how long that took. Hmm. And everyone's saying good audio today, but they're not saying anything else. Editions. Well, 
I mean, if he's a king, Frederick Virginity is was he a king? No. Do you do you know what his social status was? Because I I I'm also wondering that. I don't have the an I don't necessarily have the answer. I was thinking no, about I it. Because he's also the one that. Oh, you have? No, I, I can only speculate that because he was a Christian, but he was naturally a king. Mm. He was now in a different situation. So, but when Virginia and Elias were here, you were a different than Christian Elias. So, I, this is just a share speculation that he was someone forced. I think that's what I was thinking when I was referring to the, you know, our material dharma, that we may be born in a certain situation, and we may have a material inclination or nature that we, that we must basically act, act out. You know, just, you can see, like, I was listening to Urmo Prabhu's presentation about what happens when we do not work according to our nature, and basically there's there's a, a lack of harmony there's a disruption in the social flow when we don't act according to our nature and also it's a it's a very inefficient use of our personal energy so um, why why um, Pundri Vijaniti was in that situation and then I don't know it could be that that was his material uh, dharma to be there and in that situation and acting in that way. And just like, you know, we see, we see some, some one person's nature could be very much um, naturally detached, uh, you know, sees things very neutral, doesn't feel so inclined to have to act very often. And then another person maybe need to be need to has that has an inclination that needs to be engaged constantly, needs to be, be active, or else they don't they're not settled they're not 
are content. So there's different natures of people. So we can even see in those situations that if, like, if I try, if I act to be a certain, a different way, then um, it's it not it's it's frustrating for me and for others too. So I'm thinking, you know, Pundrik Vijaniti, when he was in that situation, Krishna never says, you know, Krishna never says, don't just stop being. He he, he doesn't say don't act according to just just try to transcend all of this. He's saying do that on the material level and then keep your mind and consciousness absorbed in serving me. So Pundrik Vijanidi, he was he's also the one that um, when he saw a new cloth, like a new deity outfit being offered, new cloth to the to um, Jagannath. Um, by the uh, pujaris, it wasn't washed. And they, you know, it was like they got they got cloth from the merchant. They got acquired some cloth, and it was still starched. And they didn't wash it before they offered it to Jagannath. And he, he, he was thinking, you know, that's not very nice. It's not very clean. You should wash it before you offer it to to Jagannath. And that night, Jagannath came to him in a, a actually Jagannath and Baladev came. Krishna Balaram came, and they were slapping his face over and over again, so much so that in the morning his face was red and puffy. So Pundrik, Pundrik Vijitini, he's also the one that had that, so um, very, uh, we don't know the material, the reasons why we have our material nature the way it is, but if we fight it or or go against it or resent it, it won't really help us. Yeah, Krishna told our, so Dhruva Maharaj is a good example where he he initially came out went out to the forest in a very angry, determined state. He was he was Kshatriya. He had that fire, that anger, determination. Of, he was really offended. He was 
greatly, greatly insulted and hurt uh, by his stepmother, so much so that he had this fire of determination to really prove to prove everyone wrong and to say, I'm going to I'm gonna get a kingdom better than better than any of my family members have ever had. With that just that the burning um, hurt he just created determination for him, which is natural kshatriya, which is the kshatriya nature. But even then when he came out he was determined, he was practicing austerities when Narada Muni came. At that point, when he saw, or no, when the Supreme Personality of Godhead came, um, he didn't actually want it anymore. But yeah, Krishna never said, Krishna didn't say. He didn't say, all right, cool, now you've attained it. Now now you don't need to act like a Kshatriya anymore. He's saying, no, go back. You should manage the kingdom. And you should have this kingdom. And Juvaloka is the highest, topmost. Even Krishna fulfilled that that desire that he had in anger and and wanting to prove others he still he actually attained that that goal that he had and he was able to continue to absorb in Krishna and we see Arjuna was feeling the same similar way I don't really want to do this anymore Krishna I don't want to fight my family members I don't want to have to you know throw weapons at my family and and Krishna was saying that, that you know Arjuna said I just I give up like I'd rather just go and be like a brahmana I just want to go and meditate in the forest and think about you Krishna he was saying no Arjuna you have to do this you have to work according to your nature and if you don't do it it's gonna come out somehow it's gonna come out anyway yeah who what other examples are there let's see there's Arjuna there's Truva um, who else wanted to not have their nature? Can you think of any? Well, not exactly the same thing, but the last of Brahman and Krishna Mita. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the wives of the Brahmanas, when they, in Krishna book, this the story, how the Krishna Brahmanas were want, needing something, so they, the Gopas went to ask the Brahmanas for some, could you give us some food? And they said, we're busy with this fire yagya here, you know, run along now. And then Krishna said, they came back, they didn't give us, he said, go to the, their wives. So then, they went to the wives and said, can you give us something? Oh, yeah. Immediately. Oh, Krishna? You just said Krishna's name? Of course. So, but, but we'll go. We'll actually personally go and give to him. We want to go see him. It's a good reason. When they went to go, they, didn't, they were expressing, we don't want to. We just want to stay here and serve you. He said, go back home. Serve your Brahmana husbands. Continue. Even he told the gopis when they would go on the rasa dance make sure you go home tend to your babies you know go take care of your family yeah
Kurma Brahman. Uh, it was his name's Kurma. And and it's in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So there was one devotee that wanted to, didn't want it, didn't want to. Lord Chaitanya was leaving and he didn't want to be without him, so she wanted to go with him. Yeah. Yeah, so Lord Chaitanya told the Gadadhar Pandit the same thing. Stay back, stay here, do your duty, and continue to think of me. Yeah, so this shows that you know, it, we shouldn't resent our nature um, to know, okay, this is my nature and I work in this way. And not, and not to resent others' natures as well. Oh, he's so like this, she's so like this. Oh, that's their nature. We act according to our nature, and then we absorb our, we dovetail it, we absorb ourselves. We serve according to our nature, serve Krishna, do, uh, do activities which can not only uh, align with our nature, material nature, or material dharma, but also that aligns, helps us to stay absorbed in Krishna consciousness too. And then respect that too. I think it's a good one to mention is that to respect that everyone has different natures. And we may not understand it so much, or we may even, like Ormal Prabhu was describing in her uh, presentation, uh, you know, someone in the field of ideas, someone in, that's more brahminically inclined may think, oh, this person that's like a Vaisha, they're so absorbed in money and resources, they don't really think about the transcendence or someone in a, that's more of a Kshatriya nature may be like, you know, all these Brahmanas, this Brahminical person, all they do is think, but they don't ever act, you know, like they don't apply what they're talking about. But to know, okay, the different natures, they act accordingly, they serve, they serve they can in according to their nature and then sometimes we need to do the needful for the movement to continue sometimes we have to do some services which aren't our nature 
Sometimes we have to do that to show that we're willing, but not so much so that we uh, start to lose our grounding and we're drained because we're not managing ourselves efficiently. So it's important to see, okay, how much am I according, um, how much am I applying myself, myself in Krishna consciousness according to my nature, and at the same time, how willing am I to uh, do the needful when it's there? Um, and maintaining a good balance with that. I know there have been many devotees in the past that have just served to doing the needful, doing the needful in positions that weren't really their nature, and they really, uh, they really hurt them in the long run. Mm-hmm. And any more additions? Margaret did. Let's see what to see what's what's our intention no it's it's not necessarily that we can totally detect completely clearly someone's intention for doing something but we can uh, do that for ourselves you know what's my intention and make and doing this thing it could be justified oh you know i'm just like a i'm just really fiery so you know i say it like it is well then we have to See, are we doing it out of our, out of duty, or out of um, sort of exerting our uh, ego to feel better? Which, as we know, we can also judge from the result too. That when we're acting out of duty, there may be there may be results acting out of duty that are unpalatable. Um, but the the uh, effect is different. We can feel the effect. If we act in integrity and in a dutiful way, then the result, even though it may be un- uh, unpleasant, that we will still feel um, wholesome in our integrity. But if we're acting, quote-unquote, according to our nature, but which is out of d- duty, then we'll see that we won't feel, we'll feel actually sort of disempowered or... Um, unsatisfied like you know like someone who is uh, probably gives this example like if you're a soldier and you have a gun and you're fighting in a war if you're fight you have weapons and you're fighting in a war and you're killing people and you've been it's your duty but if you go if you're doing it outside of that duty that's when problems come for you and others and you can see from the results naturally okay if you're fighting in a battle you've been assigned that duty to do so but then if you do the exact same thing say on the street randomly you'll be arrested and you'll be punished you'll have a consequence for that action which is done outside of your duty so we have to be clear about what our duty is is it my duty to correct someone Uh, that's that's 
and we have to see, am, am I authorized to oversee someone in a particular area? Uh, if I'm not, then it's not my duty. And, and when I do exercise my nature in something that's not my duty, then we'll see that the, our integrity and empowerment will d diminish with that action. Uruvapu, is that good? Is there any more to that? That's good. Okay. All right. Any other additions, comments? Thank you very much for your presence and your participation. Hare Krishna. Jai Sri Prabhupada.